you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. I had a chance to talk with Jason Burke of Locked On Athletics, and I know I promised we'd talk about some of the draft picks I didn't get to yet. Uh, we're going to roll that in the next week. There's always time to talk about these draft picks, especially as we're going to wrap around and talk about some of them as they sign again. So there'll be plenty of time to discuss draft picks. What there will not be time to do is talk about the Oakland Athletics before we open uh, our series against them as the first opponent post the All-Star break. So this is Jason and I have known each other for years. Uh, he was the not locked on. He was the writer of the San Francisco Giants site on Scout. And when we were looking for hosts, I actually recommended him. So he's one of the people I'm happy to have brought into the fold over here on Locked On. Uh, he is a lot of fun. Like I say, it's it's fun and free-flowy because it's someone that I've known for so long. Uh, enjoy. Uh, it, it's a long one. I'm probably going to have to split this into multiple shows. Uh, I got the whole big file. It starts with him asking me about questions. We do some draft talk. I'm just going to cut that out because it's Oakland draft, guys, and this is Locked On Indians. Uh, if people really want to hear that, let me know. I will save my file. But I figure we would just get right into the Indians and athletics in that series. So let's switch over to the actual weekend series that we got coming up here. And first question off the bat, I'm starting hot. Which A's pitcher is going to throw a no-hitter against Cleveland this weekend? Uh, you know, I have to look and see who, who they slated to face. You know, the Indians have technically been no hit three times this year, mm-hmm. which stands out even more because the last no hitter uh, was thrown in May of the year I was born and I just turned 40 this week. <laughs> so <laughs> I have never seen the Indians have a no hitter in my lifetime. Uh, you know, I, of You've course I have no hit three times, three this times year. this year, <laughs> but I've never seen them throw a no hitter. Uh, like I said, the last one happened. It was like, I always get messed up and someone's going to call me out. I, I feel like it was Len Barker watching me be completely wrong. Like the opening day, no hitter, right. That is part of Indian slower. <laughs> I have a, a real blind spot for like what happened before me, unless it's like when they were good. Uh, but I think it was Len Barker who did that and watch me be totally wrong. I'm like trying to dig up uh, at least the timeline matches up. Let's put it that way. Okay. In 81, he was that. an all-star. So I think I'm right in that one. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have to go with, I'm contractually obligated to go with Chris Bassett. Um, okay. My grandfather is uh, in the Akron Tips Hall of Fame, uh, a part of the Alumni Association, like Circle of Honor was like president of that, uh, played football there before World War II started. Uh, so I have to go with the greatest player in the University of Akron history, uh, We'll have to see, you know, what uh, JT Brubaker, if he can challenge Bassett. Uh, but those are, you know, right now you got those two guys and Mike Birkbeck, who is more famous for being the pitching coach at Kent State for the last 20 years. So every pitcher who's come out of Kent State that you've ever heard about was coached by him. That's like the three biggest success stories. I was a program that uh, that went away and has come back. And uh, Chris Sabo of the Reds is now the coach. So that's that's a little bit of University of Akron time. That's uh, remember. Yeah. Sabo, I like it. Yeah, they uh, they brought the program. A lot of baseball programs get cut. It was nice to see one come back, and Akron bought theirs back. And the recruiting coordinator after the first year, which was the COVID season, perfect time to come back, 
uh, actually got a head coaching gig at like Oakland, uh, the universe, uh, the one in Detroit, not the one in, in <laughs> California. Uh, but yeah, so the, the program is, is on its feet. And it's nice to see it, but Chris Bassett, uh, criminally underrated. Uh, it's crazy to me, like how that guy still flies under the radar, uh, to the degree that he flies under the radar. But yeah, I, like I said, I, I have such personal ties. My family, had a Middle Eastern bakery that was like walking distance from the university. And my grandfather sent me to camps there. I grew up on the University of Akron campus in a lot of regards. So Chris Bassett, uh, I will love and root for. Uh, you know, if if they have to lose, that's the one where I'm like, well, hey, at least Chris Bassett gets the win. I, I can't bring myself to 100% root for him, but I'm not going to be brokenhearted if he plays well. Do you think that Cleveland has a decent shot this weekend? Because I was looking over some stuff and uh, they've got... Luplo, Naylor, Rosario, Bieber, and Savali are out, I believe. At least they are right now. Maybe that changes tomorrow if they're getting healthier. And then they had lost nine straight before sweeping Kansas City before the break. So it's not like they were on fire going into the break. And usually the first game back or that first series back, <clears throat> sorry, that first series back, you're trying to get the, the bats back up to speed with the pitching. And I think that the A's pitching is probably better than uh, Cleveland's pitching and the A's bats are definitely better than the Cleveland bats. So what do you think of just the series as a whole with all of that? So the Indians had a ridiculously easy June. Uh, there's no other way around it. They had the cakest of cakewalk schedules. Um, I mean, the Cubs and the Cardinals were like the hardest teams on that entire schedule. And the Cubs, you know, just started selling off pieces today because they started, you know, things went badly for them. Uh and at the end of June, they're only two games over 500 for that month because, I mean, they're just beat. They're beat up. Uh, it's a team where they're pitching staff-wise. There was a top eight, a clear top eight for pitchers in their kind of who they had on their team and who was in the upper minors. Seven of those eight have spent significant time on the DL this year. Mm-hmm. One of them, Scott Moss, has, has still not pitched. Uh, Tristan McKenzie is the only player who has not been hurt and said he's led the big leagues in walks. Uh, still might lead the majors in walks. Um, he's he's a guy who can just start, he can stop being a pitcher and start being a thrower. It'll kind of turn on and off for him. And that's been an issue. Uh, and it's kind of like an organizational issue for, I mean, up till like whew, July, I want to say, the top five listed starting pitchers on their AA affiliate in terms of prospect rank had combined to throw zero pitches. Uh, for whatever reason, it's like up and down. They are just, they, their pitchers are incredibly beat up. Uh, they're, you know, uh, JC Mejia, you guys won't see, but he had never pitched. I, I'm not even sure if he had pitched in high A before this year. When well, he started uh, say, on Monday against Houston, I think. Yeah. So it's like uh, Quantrell wasn't supposed to be a starter. I, I'm a, I, I've been an Eli Morgan fan since I drafted him. I before the eighth round, like I literally put on Twitter, like isn't this the round where it's time for the Indians to draft Eli Morgan? And they did, so that bought me some like credibility for a while, <laughs> just because I was able to like successfully call that one. Uh, he's looked better of late. It was definitely rough at first. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I do like the joke that if you look at him wrong, though, like when he was in Double A Akron and I'd be down there scouting and doing media stuff. I thought he was a bat boy once um, because he is like five, eight, five, nine. And I hadn't seen it. You see him from the front. You're like, okay, no, that's an adult, but he's just, 
you know, something for Oakland fans to look at. He's going to be one of the smallest starters you're going to get a chance to see, especially a right-handed pitcher. But Morgan and Quantrill have looked better. Plesak had one game back. He was okay. We still don't really know what type of pitcher, pitcher Plesak is. He's been hurt. He's been up and down this year. Uh, he was fantastic in a limited role last year. Uh, anyone who really feels like they have a hold on Zach Plesak is lying or lying to themselves. So pitching-wise, I don't think that's a debate. Now, the Indians' pen might be yeah, on par or better than Oakland's. There, yeah. uh, it, there's very few teams. The only problem with the pen is Brian Shaw is not good, um, and Tito keeps relying on him. He has more walks so far this year than he has had in any season of his entire career, and this is a guy who multiple times led the big league in innings pitched when he was with the Indians. Uh, he's got a walk rate per nine over seven. It's not good bats at a rate he's never really missed before i was trying to pull up where's his k rate yeah it's at an 11 for his career it was an eight so he's he's just all over the place but this is a guy who always limited walks and he just he's a free passes left and right uh but he's tito's guy so tito overuses him and you've got the two class a and karen chalk and nick sandlin uh has been really reliable as well who's a rookie call up and they've got some nice pieces so the pen stands out Let's take a moment and appreciate Built Bar. Uh, why should you appreciate them? We've had many, many sponsors over the years, and I probably shouldn't admit this, but Built Bar is my favorite. On top of occasionally sending us just delicious bars uh, for free, it's one of the sponsors that I keep going back to. You know, I try free things with a lot of our sponsors. Some are good, some are not my thing. Built Bar is 100% my thing. It's tasty, it's filling, it's good for you. Go check it out for yourself. Remember when you go there to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get that 15% off your order. And right now they have a deal where you get a free cooler. So go check that out. I just bought four boxes of the Grasshopper Fudge. Sorry, that sold out. But there are so many fantastic things. Go find out what your new favorite flavor is going to be. Because when you get that mix box, you're going to find something great. You're going to find something you love. Everyone loves Built Bar. Good for you. Good tasting. What more do you need? BuiltBar.com, promo locked 15. And the lineup is, it's coming together. As crazy as that might sound, Ahmed Rosario has been about a league average bat since uh, May 1st. Uh, Fran Mo Reyes, uh, part of the reason they were able to beat Kansas City was he, you know, he missed a month. And he was out for all of June, most of May. Uh, he just came back strong. Jose Ramirez is Jose Ramirez. Bobby Bradley has been fantastic as a call-up. Um, if the season ended now, we'd probably get rookie of the year votes. Harold Ramirez has been uh, beyond what anyone could have hoped. He's been a well above league average bat. Uh, it, it just, it really comes down to uh, this team. And Cesar Hernandez has already tied his uh, highest home run total ever in a season. It's a lot of weird things happening in that regard, but you know, they have Eddie Rosario's hurt and he hasn't played well. They have issues in center field. But if you're a Cleveland fan, you're looking at this team and the way they're playing. Nolan Jones has been on fire over the last few months. Uh, Andres Jimenez has done really well in double A or in triple A. So the roster has some holes, but they also have just a preponderance of talent in the upper minors. And something we've talked about on our show many times is they're under the biggest 40 man crunch I have ever seen in my history of covering any organization. Uh, they're going to have to be buyers at the deadline because otherwise they're going to lose players as Aussies and they need to add 
somewhere between 12 to 13 bats. And like we've talked about in the show, like I was not planning to add Will Benson, but after years and years of struggle, the former first round pick actually leads the entire minors and runs created plus. So I guess you have to add him, uh, <laughs> but he was like an afterthought and he's, you know, one of the guys I debated, I'm like, Oh, Richie Palacios, like, do you add him? He's got good bloodlines. He's had good production when healthy. He leads the entire minors and on base percentage. So they're in a, a weird, weird situation where, yeah, they're struggling and Oakland might catch them at the right time because honestly, I expect them to be a team that goes and buys. Like they, like I said, they have to buy, they have to do three for ones or four for ones or they're going to lose, you know, like I guess if they can only add like eight guys, I wouldn't be shocked to see them lose three to four players in the rule five draft. I was, that was actually my next question because they are currently eight back of the Chicago White Sox who are getting Aloy Jimenez back at some point in the next few weeks, you would imagine. And then if you run, if you just look at their records against teams above 500, they're 15 and 25. So they're not playing the best of the best terribly well against teams under 500. They are 30 and 17. And a lot of that is because they are eight and one against the Royals. Everybody else, they're roughly 500, if not below 500 against. So I was going to ask, are they going to be sellers? But you say that they got the roster crunch and and also, I was looking at a lot of their roster. I'm like, is there a lot of guys that they really could sell? I mean, Rosario's hurt right now, and he hasn't been playing great. Maybe uh, Ahmed, um, Ahmed Rosario would be a guy, but he's got a couple of years of control, and he just came over, too, in the uh, Francisco Lindor trade. So it, it's going to be Cesar a Cesar Hernandez is probably their biggest piece yeah. uh, because you think that, well, you can call up Jimenez and shift Rosario to second base because mm-hmm. he's, he's not really a great defender. I mean, I think they would talk Ahmed. Um, I think if they got bowled over, they would talk Aaron Chalk. I honestly think they would. Uh, but they're kind of hoping to get something for him like we've seen. Sometimes teams go, you know, like, like they made when they made their massive trade for Andrew Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they might talk that. But, yeah, they're just because of the situation that they are in uh, roster-wise. And for them, too, it's, you know, they are eight back. And you mentioned all of that. They have not had any starters for a month their top three got hurt uh their fourth starter uh just kind of imploded their fifth starter wasn't very good and the guy who was supposed to be the number six hasn't thrown a pitch this year so once they get Plesak and Savali who won all-star and one player you could have argued should have been an all-star uh they, they've been down you know two all-star pitchers and they're still somehow second in the division so you know I I kind of picked them to win 90 games this year. I don't know if they're not on that path anymore. I think part of it is due to injuries, but just because their situation, they have to, they have to roll over talent there. I said the, the crunch, I started the year with a list of 10 players that they have to add in three, maybes of those 10, they've already added three. One has played his way off of it. And the maybes, uh, the system has played so well, they're up to like six more maybes for it. So it's, <laughs> I, you know, Keith Law, I know had them the number two system in baseball to start the year. And the system is not just because of the draft, but just overall the way players have played that system is much improved from even before the season began. There were a lot of players who there were injury or health question marks who were just, you know, I saw like uh, Daniel Espino. I'm not the biggest guy on him, but uh, through like two innings, he was, he had struck out five tonight and uh, was hitting 97 at the low end of his fastball there. They're in a very, interesting position. So yeah, I think they're probably going to be buying uh, and, you know, organizationally, they don't have like any center fielder. 
their number one center field prospect might be former California kid PD Halpin, who they drafted last year, who did get the call up to low A about a month ago. They are being aggressive and moving some of last year's draft picks, but still they don't have a center fielder anywhere in the system. So, you know, if Baltimore would ever consider trading a Cedric Mullins, uh, the Indians could put together an interesting package of like four prospects, just all rule five eligible guys that, uh, you know, Baltimore's 40 man is, you know, all about flexibility. Uh, so they, they would be a team that would essentially doing what the Padres did a year ago is what mm-hmm. the Indians have to do. So you said that if Cleveland was bowled over in an offer for uh, Karen Jack, they might consider it define bold use the a system as a template if you want to define being bold over to go get him because there's the a's i think could put together a decent package i just don't know if they're the same guys that you would enjoy I, i'm always focused on the a system so i'm like yeah this guy's good this guy's good they have depth over here and i think they can make something work but define bold over from your standpoint well you know just doing the indians they probably won't want i think they'd want more than what they paid for andrew miller because Andrew Miller was three years of control at, you know, $9 million a year. So when you're looking at Karen Chalk, you're getting four more years of control, and he's pre-arbitration eligible. Mm-hmm. And the cost for Andrew Miller was Clint Frazier when he was a top 25 prospect, uh, Jordan, uh, not Jordan, Justice Sheffield when he was a top 50 prospect, J.P. Fireisen when he was like the 11th, he was probably about the 12th rated prospect in the system. Uh, and then Ben Heller, who was the, you know, 10th rated prospect who was hitting 100 routinely as a reliever himself was the top, you know, it's a, they traded their top two relief prospects, their number one prospect and their number three prspect for Andrew Miller. And I think they would expect more. I don't think again, Miller was, <laughs> yeah. And Miller was, uh, uh, like I said, he was, he, he cost money, you know, he's making like eight or nine mil a year uh, at the time. So that, you know, the Indians don't have any regrets about that trade because they rode him to the world series. But yeah, that's, they're essentially, unless it is that Andrew Miller deal all over again, I, I don't think they're moving on from him. Uh, you know, like I said, maybe if some, I, I think Tito would get mad if they tried to trade Shaw. So I don't think it's him, but I do wonder if like, you know, Nick Whitgren from the pen hasn't pitched very well, or they would probably move on from him. Yeah. They don't have a lot of they're in this weird place. You know, if someone wanted Roberto Perez, I think they would trade him. Or, uh, they're more likely to hold on to Hedges. But yeah, it's interesting. Like the, a lot of Indians fans are like, what is he even talking about when Heyman said, yeah, the Indians are probably going to be sellers. And it's like, yeah, they might be willing to sell everyone who's you know, of a certain age, but they're a weird team because they only have th- two players under contract for next year. Everyone else is an option or a free agent or a, you know, arbitration eligible. Our other fantastic sponsor is betonline.ag. Uh, it's been a while since we had any baseball, any lines go look. Let's go to betonline.ag. Remember, if you're going there, you want to use the promo code LOCKED ON to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Let's see what the lines are for Monday. Going down the line here uh, Eli Morgan versus Chris Bassett. 840 game uh if you guess the indians are the ones getting the run well that should be obvious when you have an all-star pitcher versus a rookie who's still trying to prove himself uh that's the way it should go if you think eli morgan has an advantage tomorrow you might want to go to betonline.ag use the promo code locked on to get your 50 percent bonus on your first deposit 
go check it out for yourself. They're more than just betting lines. Anything you can imagine, they have it over at betonline.ag. Remember to use that promo code locked on. So uh, that, that is all that I got for you. What questions do you have for me, good sir? So while I have you here with, you know, Oakland being where they are so far in the year, what, what are the, you know, they're three and a half back. They're in a good position for the wild card. What is kind of your view on the weakness of your team? What is it that Oakland's needs to go out and consider adding? Is there a specific place, a specific spot? Is it just outfield in general? Is it, you know, maybe another bat? Uh, is it a relief arm? What, what do you, what does Oakland need to help catch up to this Astros team? I think they need a relief arm or two. And I'm talking like a Craig Kimbrell type arm. And then if they want the other one to be Taylor Rogers, that's great. If it's somebody else that's also effective, that would also be fine. Like Paul Fry would be fine as well. Uh, they, they need another lefty, de- definitely. So I, I say Kimbrell and then a lefty, whoever that happens to be. And I think that they are willing to do that because they've got a lot of catching depth. They've got a lot of shortstop depth, uh, especially after the draft that just concluded. They've got a, a lot of high, uh, high in the minors outfield depth that has they're very, very toolsy. There's just not a spot for them in Oakland just yet. So they've got some areas of strength where they can pull from, even though they don't have one of the shiniest farm systems, they've got some good players that could be on the move as well. So that's interesting to me. And then I think that they've been rumored in Nelson Krumer uh, in Nelson Cruz trade talks for a couple of weeks now. And it feels like that one is probably going to happen. Just gut feel. Cause they, they could use somebody like Nelson Cruz for sure. Just add his 950 OPS into the middle of the lineup. And if they wanted to go and get another right fielder or have somebody that plays right field and also could DH a little bit, that would be, uh, that would be good as well because Piscotty has been, he, he gets hurt a decent amount these days. And so you don't necessarily want to rely on him and he basically crushes lefties, but you don't want him in there against righties. So you need somebody who can hit righties as well, playing right field. And Right now, they don't have that guy. Uh, it could be Chad Pinder if Pinder's bat you know, woke up, or it could be Tony Kemp if he was a little bit more consistent. He started off really, really hot, but he has been struggling a little bit of late. But uh, they got Canna, and they got Ramon Laureano. They just need that one other guy to complete all of that. And maybe they call somebody up, but I don't know that this is the season that you want to have that big question mark be like, all right, well, if this guy turns it around, then we're going to be okay. I think that this is the push the chips into the middle of the table and go get that veteran. That's going to put you over the top and potentially uh, win the American league at the end of it. So I'm probably going to butcher the name, uh, even though I know the name and I was saying it correctly at points and it's going away. I, my surprise there is like, why haven't they gone to Greg uh, Deichman, Deichman yeah. uh, with just left-handed bat success, Huge. Yeah. I mean, I know it's Las Vegas and everyone hits well there, but you know, he's a player that produced major college program moved through the system. Uh, he seems like the natural answer. Is he more just a trade bait guy or is he, uh, are they not considering him as a potential player? It just, he's got the arm for right and he can hit right hand. He seems like kind of the, the, the built-in prospect to, to be that for the athletics. It would make sense, a lot of sense, because he is a lefty bat, which is what they want. And Seth Brown and Sky Bolt have both been not great uh, 
offensively. Defensively, they've been pretty good. Seth Brown's been very, very good defensively, but he's doing almost nothing unless he's hitting home runs at the dish. He did start picking it up that last week, heading into the break. So maybe, or maybe it's just Saturdays when he's playing because the last two Saturdays he was hitting like five for eight or something like that. But uh, overall, he's been kind of, yeah, for the last month, month and a half, two months. Um, and Sky Bolt is out of options. So if they uh, remove him from the roster, he's hitting the waiver wire again, and he's already been lost once, and then they had to go trade for him. So maybe they like him enough as a depth piece. I don't know. But my guess would be that the reason they haven't called up Dykeman is they want to use him in a trade. And if he comes up to the majors and struggles before they trade him, that hurts his trade value just that little bit. And so you can still dream on him if he hasn't made his debut yet. And they've called up everybody else pretty much. So they, they already called up Luis Barrera, gave him very sparing at bats. And uh, that was weird. So, or maybe it's just a playing time thing. Maybe they're not going to trade him. Maybe they just don't have enough at bats to give him on a regular basis. And they'd rather just keep him developing in AAA. Yeah. Cause as you were talking, I was like, Oh, there's an interesting play. It's like him and, because I remember at various points when I was trying to put together trades in the offseason, the, the A's stood out for outfield depth uh, because of Berea and Dykeman, and then already having, uh, you know, uh, Loriano and Kaneha, uh, who I assume he's hurt. He is, uh, he was hurt going into the break. He, it was, thought that he could return in time for the Texas series for like the last couple of games. So we're assuming that he is going to be activated tomorrow before the series starts. Uh, it has not been made official yet. They already sent down Frank Schwindel. So there's an open spot on the roster. We're assuming that that is the spot for Mark Canada make his return from the IL, but um, it's not officially official, but I would plan on seeing him if you're a Cleveland fan. And then I'm curious about like the way things like this work out. So the A's made their big trade and Elvis Andrews has, has been fine. Like it's hard to find a shortstop. I don't think anyone can be too mad about, you know, Chris Davis got cut. So obviously, you know, the way it turned out maybe wasn't the best for everyone, but uh, part of it was to get that extra money to sign Rosenthal. Now Rosenthal didn't pitch at all this year, right? Nope. Does that, maybe you're not the person to ask. I'm always curious about this thing. I feel like if, when that happens, doesn't that all go to insurance? Can't conceivably couldn't Oakland be a team that could be a a big contract adder at this deadline as long as it's a, an expiring contract? I have no idea about the insurance. My guess, and this is with literally uh, no expertise in the field, is that since it happened during play, like during spring training, it wasn't like uh, he was a lemon and then signed the contract and he's like, oh, I'm hurt. He actually played a little bit and then it kind of came up out of nowhere is the reporting that happened around it. So I, I assume that he's covered under that is my guess. But I, again, not an expert, but it, wouldn't everybody have their contract voided if they got hurt at some point? I thought it was something weird where like with certain players, when they like miss large chunks of a season that like over a certain percentage, I really need to dig into the specifics because this is something that's in the back of my head. I'm like, was it a different sport? Like I know in ice hockey, it's the case. Like um, the, like the Columbus blue jackets signed a player and then foolishly did not get insurance on it. So then they were stuck with a guy and they eventually traded him for an even worse contract because uh, they could not afford, they'd rather have a guy who could play over one who couldn't because a lot of times, and they're like, well, in a normal situation, if they had just gotten the insurance on this player, uh, then they wouldn't have had to pay him that 
you know, I don't know the specifics. And like I said, maybe it's more of a hockey thing or I'm trying to think of other sports. But I've always wondered about that kind of some of the under the hood, as it were, financials when it comes to a team, uh, specifically when a guy misses large chunks of time. Like, how does the insurance work out? How does it go? Uh, you know, so we're going to call it a show there. There's about 19 more minutes of conversation. Uh, but then uh, Monday is a bonus or Monday is an episode or Saturday is a bonus kind of debating. I think it's a little bit evergreen because just talking about teams and even though the series will have been over, they're just a worthwhile retrospective piece and we'll talk about the series and then listen to some of what our thoughts were from beforehand. I'll debate and make a decision, but I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. That really helps our show grow for the next year, maybe two. Go try.